This is To Catch a Con Man, Season 2, in The Victim's Voices. I will take you on another fascinating journey, but this time you will hear from other men and women that, like me, have fallen prey to the various cons, scams, and deceits by one of the most prolific and successful con artists to live and operate in the Midwest. You know him as Ricky Dugo. Could a hundred grand sustain my life? It couldn't even come close. So, so listen to me. If I was going to be in some sort of, of con, scam, conniving thing, it'd be for millions. It wouldn't be for a hundred thousand dollars. To Catch a Con Man is brought to you by Studio 847 in Long Grove, Illinois. Listener discretion is advised, as some of this programming contains language and content that might be offensive to some listeners. Join me on this adventure to catch a con man. This is Adam Albert. On this next episode of To Catch a Con Man, in the victim's voices, we will hear part two of David Andrews' very sad story of being swindled by Ricky Dugo. David introduces his family and friends to Dugo, and Rick ends up taking nearly all of them for yet another humongous score, even scamming his uncle for one of those large and super expensive offshore cigarette racing boats. The FBI is called in once again, only to tell David that the financial losses aren't large enough to garner a look-see. Here we go, part two of David's interview coming up next. Hello, uh, my name is David Andrew, uh, originally from uh, Illinois, northwest suburbs of Illinois, um, currently living, residing in, uh, in Florida, Tampa. I was just his bitch. I was thought that I was going to be involved in something, but I was like his personal assistant. And I was ruining everything. I ruined their relationship with my family my aunts and my uncles to this day I can tell you that there's tension um, I, I lost the relationship with uh, a, a person that I was I was dating my very first girlfriend um, she was a nice person you know I know it was a long time ago so um, yeah, she was a nice person and it, she she didn't deserve um, to have things fall apart the way that they did I can still, I still have images of her standing in front of me crying, telling me, why are, why am I being like this? And what I mean by that is just, I went from being able to see her and hang out with her whenever I, I wanted. And it was fun. And then when I met Rick, I had to completely pull away because all my focus was on this business. So she'd show up at my house and just be in tears. 
I do, I do feel bad for that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm engaged to be married in October next month. First time ever, you know. So, again, like I said, this is a long time ago, but I, I mean, I, I do feel bad that I did something like that to someone at the time that cared for me. Sure. And I, I literally threw her away like she was a, a sack of crap, like a, a fucking old shoe, you know. And again, my only concern was the business. And I would not let anything or anybody get in the way. Mm. Um, so back to what I wanted to say with all these these girls and uh, even some guys. Yeah, he would have me like answer his phone and like tell these girls that he was either going to go and like meet them up on a date that he he's running late. And he's stuck having a meeting with his dad and blah blah blah. He had some some chicks fucking under the impression that he was a doctor uh, you know don't, don't even I, I don't know okay no, it, it's in the midst of all this stuff now I'm, I'm several months into this and I think Rick just knew that I was dependable Loyal. and I think he let, I think he let the wall down a little bit for me to kind of see inside in a way that I should not have because now I'm starting to see that in my head, I'm I'm, have, I'm scared because I still haven't seen anything. My my uncles and my father is now involved and asking me, "Where's this car wash, Dave? What the fuck is going on? Where is the car wash?" And I would tell him the intersections, and he's like, there, "There's nothing here." I'm like, "Well, it's supposed to be." And like, I, I started to be defensive because you know, I, I again, I didn't want to feel like I was a fucking idiot. You know, I've got all these people that give me money to go to do something and it's not there it was supposed to be in the corner of North Avenue and um, North Avenue I don't know I think I forget the cross but by Aranda's rims and tires it was supposed to be across the street in, in, in the city um, long story short you know I had my family members starting to question me my family member was starting to call Rick and asking, well, you know, where's the money? I need the money for the boat payment. You know, I don't have a fucking $3,600 a month for this. You told me this. You know, you, you made a contract that if I put this boat in my name, so I just it wasn't in your name, so you don't get audited by the fucking IRS. You would give me, you know, something for it. You, you would give me, you know, money for doing this favor for you because you would never be able to do it. And this is the boat of your dreams. So then that started to turn into animosity towards, my, my family members started having animosity towards me. And what hurts is the fact that they probably think that I, I partook in the taking of the money and, and like was in on this. Yeah. Okay, that hurts. Um, I don't doubt it. Um... You know? I'm, I'm, I'm telling these girls that, that they're trying to collect money that Rick will call them back, Rick will do this, you know, um, yeah, just, I'm, I'm lying. And in, in the midst of like all this shit, like all these fucking lies, I'm starting to realize that there's nothing. It's all vapor. I'm, I'm fucked. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to Rick like a fart in the fucking wind, hoping okay hoping that there's some fucking by some fucking miracle there's some gonna be i don't give a fuck a shack with a fucking hose and a bucket with fucking soap 
and I'm gonna start cleaning fucking cars. Yeah. Like I was, I was hoping for anything. So you've realized that this is all a facade. It's all smoke and mirrors. At what point do you confront Rick? At what point do you straddle that line from being his, I mean, I'll quote you as being his bitch or being his assistant. Yeah. Or at what point, oh, that's what I felt like. yeah. At what point you know. do you, did you straddle? Like, how did you stop that? How did you, did you confront him? No, no. See, I, I didn't confront him just out of the sheer fact that I didn't, I don't real, I didn't realize at this time that Rick is actually a giant pussy. Right. This Rick, I know. Rick is a fucking big pussy and he hates fire. Well, he just used his size because anybody that he, he fucked over was either A, a woman or B, a, a guy that's 15, 20 years younger than him that are never going to stand up to a fucking guy like him that's 250 pounds. I was 158, 160, 162, 63, 64. Again, I'm 18. I was 19, 20. Um, here's a guy that's 100 fucking pounds more than me. Yeah. That's going to, that, you know, you're like, oh, fuck, no. You know, like, I'm not going to fuck with that guy. He's, he's, he's huge. And he's, he's had time where he had to use, like, his anger and get flared up and start using words and you fuck and this and that. And again, they're all small people, but at this time, they're like, they were adults. So I'm like, oh my God, you can't fuck with this guy. He's going to kill you. Little did I know that he's a bitch. I didn't know. Yeah. Like, I know now. Yeah. But he, he did everything. It was an act. Oh. So what happened was, I, I finally told my father... Like, he's like, David, I need to know what the fuck is going on. And I told him things, like little things here and there. My father called Rick and goes, hey, hey, Ricky boy. Hey, yeah, well, yeah, you're not going to see my son anymore. And whatever kind of bullshit you guys have going on is coming to an end. And he goes, oh, you want to meet me? Oh, you're going to beat the crap out of me, okay? I've got a tire on you, and you better get, you got one fucking shot. Because, Rick, I'll crack you in the fucking head, so I'll, I'll kill you. You threaten me, you come after me, I'm going to fucking kill you. Right. And my father's not a fighter. He's yeah. not a fighter. Yeah, but it's different. It's different when you're protecting your family. Uh, yeah. And, and David, if you ever so, have children, you're going to feel like that, too. I mean, um, I get it. And I, and I honestly, I believe your father one million percent. Because that's... That that was me. That was where I was. I've been there, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. So, my father kind of kept me away. And that's when the police were involved, that there was a restraining order because he was camping out at my, my, my house. Again, like I said, my parents were separated, but my mom had the house, you know, in the, the whatever agreements were made. Um, the house that we grew up in, in Itasca. So Rick was kind of hanging out and the cops were called and they showed up and the cop asked, you know, this guy, what is it, what's it, what are you doing here? Well, you know, you, you have no rights to be here. David's not here and you officially are being given whatever, um, trespass or something or, or, or yeah, yeah you know you can't you can't come here you can't be within order or whatever um you can't come close to david 
whatever the case may be. Oh, got um, it. So, so they created a restraining order against him. Like, like a restraining order. Like, I, he couldn't come, like, near me. Um, well, again, when my father took me, like, I was supposed to go with Rick. Rick was at my the house in Itasca, and my father came, and he, he took me in the car. And uh, my father goes, yeah, I'm going to take Dave. We're going to go get a bite to eat. Is that okay? I'm going to take my son. Since you, you consume so much of his time with his business, we're going to go and talk. Never did not like that too much. Rick would call my father and call me every 30 seconds, every minute to try to get an idea how far I was. 10 minutes, 15 minutes traveling 40 miles per hour. I'm ex, you know, I'm, I'm this far away. He was trying to get like an idea of where I was. He was asking my dad where, where we were going. So he knew what direction to go. And my father just didn't play into it. Um, my father turned my phone off. Rick called me 46 times in an hour. Wow. Um, left me like bipolar messages. You know, I, I, I know you, 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 you must be really like, you know, scared and nervous, you know, about the business and there's a lot of money, but you know, I can assure you, buddy, you know, there's, it, it's happening. It just takes more time than, than you think. And, you know, I'm going through a lot right now and trying to get it all set up, but you know, it's going to happen followed by, listen, you little fuck, you know, what the fuck do you think you're doing? You know, I call you, you got to answer your fucking phone, you know, so he was bipolar, but my father did that. Um, I remember that I never slept so much in my life for the two days that I stayed at his house. I think I slept 18 hours just from being emotionally wrecked, wrecked, knowing that I also had to file bankruptcy because I maxed out all my credit cards. Everything I had was destroyed. My credit was gone. Um, my father ended up taking me to the FBI office in Lyle. Um, their headquarters at the time, I don't know if it is now, was underneath underground a Porsche building. There's a Porsche headquarters in Lyle. Mm-hmm. And under, underneath there is at the FBI headquarters. I remember going there and seeing Bin Laden, all the wanted people, like the big terrorist, like he'd want to be. He was, he was right in front of me. And it was the weirdest feeling, like a very, very, like, very weird, eerie kind of a feeling. Cause I'm like, oh my God, this is the kind of crap you just see on TV. And like, I'm here. And the guy's name was Victor Lombardo, was my special agent. And I remember that we were talking and I was discussing with Victor Lombardo exactly what was going on, but because I personally did not have a $250,000 cash loss or greater, that there was nothing that the FBI can do and they told me that I can seek, um, you know, the county and I can try to go after him in that way and this and that. But... I remember 
that uh, he did say, he goes, unfortunately, all these things, you know, this is a professional con artist. Um, and even though you have these letters that he handwrites and he gets quote unquote notarized, they're meaningless. And as long as you gave it to him in your, with your own free will, they were given to him as gifts, whether he pays you or not. So there's absolutely nothing that we can do to try to, to do anything to this person. And unfortunately, this is just a very hard lesson learned. Um, I don't see it's like, I, you know, I think what's hard is, I think technology would have helped you. You know, um, okay. like, you know, like text messaging and things like that versus phone calls. Like back in the early 2000s, I don't remember texting. Oh, yeah. I, I, I so, had a fucking Nokia with the game Snake. Like, yeah. there's, so there's like, nothing smart. You know, um, yeah, there's nothing smart. But, you know, all of these things he was doing, uh, this was all theft by deception. There was no opportunity. That, that's, a, that's a sham. I mean... So I think back then the problem is, is that there's really no way to prove that because there may not be that much documentation outside of these fake notarized bullshit contracts that it sounds like he drew up. Um, Correct. Yeah. A different time, a different place. Uh, I think you would have had a different result. So when you leave the FBI, I mean, what do you do then? I, I seek them. Um... I seek for a, a, a bankruptcy attorney. I um, I had to go bankrupt. And what's that? Chapter like? seven. Yeah. So chapter seven. What? Tell me a little bit about that. What happens when you file chapter seven? Well, I I literally had to. Um, you know, they they cut all my credit cards. Like the the you know they they were cut off. You know, I had a motorcycle I was proud of that was quote-unquote stolen out of my garage i had insurance of course and so did he on the hayabusa and there was four motorcycles in my garage because i had the space so it made it look like someone was scoping us out and they stole all four motorcycles one day you know um, and i had to make a report otherwise i'd be stuck you know paying for it but um he he had me commit you know fraud um, again, I, I didn't know that's what it was because they were stolen. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand. Yeah, I don't think um, you know. Obviously, this is a long time ago. The statutes limitations are well far over. You know, I, I don't think there's any judgment here by anybody, not by me. Um, I literally just had a conversation, you know, a week and a half ago, with a girl that had motorcycles in her name. You know, same kind of deal, dude, you know? So, um, you know, bankruptcy, um, how long do you have to pay off? Like, are your response when you file bankruptcy, do you still have to pay back your debtors? No. Chapter 7, you're you're released of all your debts, but they need the merchandise. In this case, the motorcycle was stolen, and I had insurance that paid the bike. Um, However, my car was taken, my credit cards were all cut anything that I had, <clears throat> my little jewelry, jewelry store cards that I had. I was proud of myself. I worked really hard to have those things and I, I felt good, you know, and it's like, what, what's the saying? He's like, um, 
Give me a second here. I'll take your time. I'm gonna look some. I'm gonna look something up here. It's actually a really, really perfect, perfect saying here, and I just want to um, make sure I say it correctly. Um, and a, a friend of mine gave me this recently, um, but it's a perfect way to describe this. So. So back to like me, you know. Do not spoil what you have by desiring what you have not. Remember that what you now have was once among the things you only hoped for. Yeah. So, I, I, in, in, a, in a sense, I was, I was happy with what I had, and. I was doing okay, and I, I was, you know, wanting more. But basically, telling me that the stuff I have currently was something that I once wanted. So basically, don't be, don't be greedy. That's and that's like the best way I can wrap it up like that. Um, this did a lot. This did a, a lot of.、Um, Damage、um, to me, yeah. In the sense of you know, family, trust,、um, the bankruptcy, starting over, relationships,、um, just negative, negative opinion on myself. You know, depressed. I've never done anything wrong. I've never tried to hurt myself. And that kind of you know, perspective, not. I was never like depressed where I wanted to hurt myself. I never turned to drugs. I never turned to drinking. But I was, I was ashamed. I felt like, and still do, feel like the black sheep of the family. Even, even all this time later. Even though now I, I, I work for BMW, and I, you know, I sell automotive. I sell cars. And I, I do okay. I make six figures. I, I don't have a college degree. I still feel that、um, it's really weird. You know, my family—they all speak. They're doctors. They're they're what this. They're that. My my brother—he's the captain in the Air Force. Very proud of him. We're close, but you know, I don't have the same relationship with my aunts and uncles and the rest of the family, cousins that my brother does. I, 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 I don't feel am like out, outed. I'm, I'm shunted. They've had these like group conversations, and I'm never included in them. I never called to be told that this is going on, and this is even like to this day. You know, I, I wish more than I wish more than anything. I can reimburse my、um, my uncle for his losses. Just, just the. Yeah, I, 
I just want to throw this out there, you know, and I'm sure, I know that you're a pretty sharp cat. There's a certain point in time, you know, like when, when you've tried to redeem yourself, that you've asked for, for, you know, for forgiveness, that you've attempted to right the wrongs. Um, and I can tell that your family and what they think of you um, and maybe what they don't think of you really has taken its toll on you. Um, oh, very, very much. I, mean, I can hear it in your voice, dude. Um, and that's heartbreaking because, you know, David, I've always said there's many parts of the con. There's the money. There's the psychological. There's um, a mental and like a physical kind of aspect to all of this. All of these weird things that are going on, you know, um, losing something that you've earned, your money, your, you know, your motorcycle, you know, but then it's like the complete mind fuck afterwards and how you can't trust yeah. people and then how other people were affected and, and now you're losing relationships with one another. The financial destruction in itself is not the whole it's not the whole ball of wax when it comes to how severely impactful this guy is because right. it's it's absolutely crazy what all of the damage is and, and it's I hear it in your voice um, and yeah. it, it kills me man I you're, you're, you're bringing me back like to 2018 and you're carrying it for 20 years um, right so my advice to you is to stay strong is to continue to ask for forgiveness to let go of you know those people that 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 you want their respect but that aren't that aren't willing to to give you a second chance you know um you have nothing left to prove at this point in the game you know like you, you, you've paid the piper you've made good changes in life you're on a different path you know, part of that thing that you, you know, that you um, had read to me is it's like you're getting engaged, right? Sounds like you're, uh, you, yeah. you know, you, you find, you, have you found a, dyna, a dynamite partner? Sounds like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So as fucked up as this is going to sound, you know, you had to go through Dugo to get to where you are today, right? I don't, I actually, I, I, the only thing that I can say is, I'm, I'm happy that I, I went through that kind of an experience at a younger age, now when I'm 40, to now know what to look for. If something arose, I, I would be ahead of the con artist having gone through in this um, experience. Unfortunately, that's the positive out of it. Yeah. Is that I will never ever be conned ever again, ever. Yeah. Because I, I will be able to ask questions. I will be able to ask this. I will be able to see this. Let me get my attorney. Let me look this over. I, I you will never fuck me. Right. Ever. You know, it's it's funny that you say that, because um, I feel the same way. It's like when Men's Health reached out to me saying, you know, they wanted to write the Dugo story. Um, I asked for 
all of the phone numbers, all of the names of all of the senior editors, chief editors, and I called every one of them. And I said, is this real? Why are you interested? What are you looking to gain out of this? And I started asking all these questions that I would never have asked before. I just would have taken somebody at face value, at their word. Because you have no reason not to. Exactly. Um, I have one one more question. And, and yes. af- After your father picked you up and took you away from Dugo, you never ran into him again? Did you ever see him again? No. You've... No, he disappeared like a fucking ghost. Different part of the different part of the state. You know, he liked to pray in the city where a lot of people were. Yeah. He, he, he would, you know, he was, um, he was at the, at the marinas where they, you know, the boats were, um, you know, he, the, the suburbs were a fucking joke. A gentleman, a nice black guy, but a name of Albert White. Um, I forget his wife's name. I remember several years ago, I ran into his wife. She was working as a jeweler at Kay's Jeweler uh, at Stratford Square Mall. Um, I don't even know if it's around anymore, but um, very nice people. You know, um, I they, they met Rick, you know, through, through me, and I, I never knew. You know, um, I forgot what it was, but... Oh, it had to do with a, a car. Yeah, the, the, the S500 Mercedes was also in that Lady Jackie the Giant's name. Um, name. Um, and they got that from um, on, on North Avenue. There's some luxury motors place. It was it was on a balloon balloon payment. It was silver. But he, he drove that around for two, three months before he got repossessed, of course, in her name. So nothing happened to him. But um, I, I'm truly surprised that with all the people just like involved in just in my scenario and he's done this with dozens and dozens so there's probably thousands of people affiliated by friends or family or whatever i i swear to god outside of the the palermo situation um the construction company i know that someone stuck a gun in his in his fucking mouth and they went and took whatever money from charlene or I think that's his mom's name, but they took her to the bank and got whatever money they could out of her savings. Um, well, tell me Palumbo, about that. Do you know Palumbo. I? Yeah, I've never heard this story. Yeah, he um, Rick had a gun put in his fucking mouth, um, and they're gonna kill him. So he went and emptied his mom's life savings uh, <laughs> to um, to rectify whatever. He did because he knew that he couldn't get away from that. Like basically, he just tried to fuck the mafia over. It's not gonna, it's not gonna fly. They'll put you in a cement mixer and put you in the base of a fucking building in pieces, um, and you'll never be found. Yeah, that's an amazing way to kill somebody. Not to be like, um, you know, super down or super gory, but like, uh, I had this idea for the for a book a long time ago, and it was called Fifty Ways to Kill the Con Man. And one of them was literally putting him in concrete. <laughs> you know, like, like, like how sick is that? You're, you're laughing, but they do that. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, I know it's a real thing, but, you know, um, 
but I'm just a regular dude like you, man. Like, yeah. you know, I never thought about hurting anybody. Like, I'm a pacifist. No. I like to make people happy. I like to, um, yeah. it just was weird, you know? Like, all of a sudden, yeah. he, it's almost like he uh, flicks a switch inside of us that turns us into this animal, nasty, you know, I just want to, I just want somebody to pay for my mistake, you know? And, and that's really what it is. I mean, you know, we got fucked over, but yep. it's, it's, what are you going to do today to make the day better? You know, how, how, how do you take the negative and turn it into a positive? So, correct. you know, it sounds like you're in a really good place. Um, I offered, you know, you like, if you ever want to talk, if you ever want me to introduce you to other victims, because we all need support, you know, that that's something that needs to come out of all of this. Is it's almost like we need to do a support group. Um, well, I will tell you this, and you're gonna laugh. Um, years ago, um, 2010, I got um, a red carpet concierge in Chicago um, awarded me an award that I had to give an acceptance speech for, and it was for most up and coming male actor award for Chicago. And it meant a lot to me. It's one of my biggest accomplishments when I was doing my acting. Um, it would probably bring me great joy if we were able to make this into a television series and I can fucking play Rick. <laughs> that's an awesome twist. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I just think that's so sinister and fucking rad, <laughs> you know? Um, I, 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 and the thing is, is I, I, um, I had a, 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 an inner... I, I'm not... I don't know how to say this, but... I'm not on drugs. I've never done drugs. I'm not drunk. I'm a very stand-up person. But I, unfortunately... I've had the um, experiences in life where I have seen things that are not from this world. <laughs> Take that however you want. Again, I'm not crazy. I've had people around me when it's happened. But one one situation that really stuck out, and it brings me chills when I talk about it. I moved to Los Angeles um, shortly after not too long after this stuff happened which Rick maybe a couple years um and I just wanted I had an opportunity to pursue and unfortunately due to certain series of events um if you're not willing to participate in extracurricular activities against your will you're not really going to be given a chance in Hollywood when you don't have a name for yourself since I'm not into men by any means I'm not against anybody who does their own thing but it's just not for me um i came back but the thing is that i had a manager and i had an agent and i was working very very frequently i, I booked a lot of jobs and i represented myself um, i had a, a manager that just kind of kept me going like kept an eye on me long story short her name is kaylee james she's a really nice black lady um two children and when I moved out to LA my living arrangements fell through and I was I was homeless I was literally gonna be sleeping in my car 
and um, which I was okay with because I was pursuing my dreams. I didn't have much. I didn't need much. I would shower at the gym. I know how to clean my clothes. Um, and I'd be able to save money and eventually get into a place of, I'm not, you know, it didn't scare me, but she took me into her own personal place. Um, she has a brother that does hair, like lines up the hair for um, African-American hair. I don't know what you call it, urban hairstyles, where they use the a knife, like the razors, and they, they edge you and make it really, like, straight. Well, her brother, the barber, was the barber for um, Judge Joe Brown. And uh, we went to go visit the brother. And I'll never forget this. While they're talking, this guy comes into the store and absolutely nobody. They said, oh, hey, gave him the time of day and he came right up to me. And he was dressed literally in... He looked like he was back from, like he came from the Bible. He had Jesus sandals on. He had like white robes and white linens and a, and a thing on his head. Very polite, very, very clear complexion. And he had the, the bluest, greenest eyes I've ever seen in my life. He came straight up to me. And he goes, can I, um, can I please just touch your hand? And I said, sure, is there a reason you want to touch my hand? He's like, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not here to do anything. Can I just please touch your hand? He touches my hand. Mind you, I've given this guy no information. <clears throat> he tells me my entire life story. My entire life story. He tells me that I have the, the eyes of the snake which means I'm, I'm very powerful and that I never give up and I'm very, very hardworking. And he goes, you're going to make it in the field of entertainment, but now is not your time. You're going to end up going back to the Midwest where you're from. And I didn't tell him where I'm from. And one day when you least expect it, going to know who you are and you will be successful but it's just not now he left the room now in Los Angeles you if you ever been a lot of the roads the buildings are all connected there's no there's no alleys it's like it's just one continuous building that's just all connected one one after the other after the other when i tell you that not even five seconds has gone by i went back outside he was motherfucker was gone he just this fucking beard i have no idea who he was he told me about my relationship with my family how many brothers or sisters i had where i'm from what i was doing there how long I've been there. I had chicken skin, goosebumps, whatever you want to call it. My hair grew back. I got the chills so bad, I couldn't speak. All from touching my fucking hand. Wild. And I, 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 I'm, I don't know if it's the case, but I tell you right now, 
I'm an actor and it would bring me great joy because I've seen this motherfucker for eight months, nine months, how he was to be recognized as this piece of dog shit, but as an actor, obviously, but having the relationship be that I was one of the people that he fucked over. Yeah. And I'm, and, and I'm, I'm six foot four, 235 pounds. I'm back to working out. And I could, I know I can play it off. Yeah. But that would, that would be, I think that that would be amazing if in prison he would see the show and he sees my face playing him. The irony there, right? Right. Um, you know, there's things coming, David. I don't know what, I, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have a person that can really tell me where this is all going to go. But like you, I'm determined, you know? Yep. Um, you know, you brought up a snake, and it's interesting. Um, the article, so the article that's coming out in Men's Health uh, has snake in the title. Um, he's the snake. But the, the day of the trial that I was uh, going in, like, the next morning to testify... This is December 12th of 2022. I wake up in the morning. I hadn't been sleeping well. Uh, Mind you, I had not been sleeping well that entire time um, before the weeks before because it just seemed like there was a lot of delays. I was waiting for like Rick to pull some, you know, some extra motion like last second. So like I really didn't even think like December 12th, at least that first day of uh, testimony and the trial was going to happen. But that night I had a dream. And it was a dream that involved a white snake. And I don't dream of animals very often. Um, I don't remember all of my dreams all that often. But my wife looked it up. And what it meant was um, was something about something really good was going to happen. I was going to be powerful and strong and um, reap financial benefits like on this day. This was the day it was going to happen. And it was like some bizarro foreshadowing um, of what was to come. I'm not telling the story totally right. I'd have to actually look up what the definition was. um, But it was something to that effect. And in in that morning when I was, you know, driving into into Waukegan uh, to, to look at Rick in the face, it provided me inspiration. I wore my great, uh, my, my grandfather's pinky ring. Um, he, he fought in World War II. He died when I was very young. But I, uh, yeah. I, I, I felt like um, I, I knew how strong of a man he was. And I knew in his business, when people came knocking on his door, unsolicited for money, AKA the mafia and stuff like that, he stood up to them. And he actually put a gun in their face. And then they firebombed his warehouse and burned it down. Um, but he was a man that had insane, they were from like a dinner, you know, different generation, the, the, the generation of people from the twenties and thirties, it was different. They were built different, you know? So I wore his pinky ring. It's a, it was a white gold ring with a blue star sapphire, totally old school, right out of like, like Goodfellas. And I wore that when I took the stand and it provided me with the strength that I needed any time. I was under cross-examination and getting my, what I felt like getting my ass like reamed out by Dugo's attorney, 
I would look down at this ring and it gave me hope and strength. So I believe in all those things, man. Um, it's funny that Hugo's uh, attorney, he couldn't even pay. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah, and then I'm like, it doesn't, doesn't carve my pitch. What do you thought? What do you think? You're going to get paid by this guy? Everyone's telling you he's a fucking con artist. Yeah. No, there's yeah. no doubt, man. Um, I don't feel bad. I, I actually could not stand uh, one of those two attorneys. I, I did not like at all. I knew it was yeah. his job to try to tear me down, tear the other people down. But I just felt like I was being attacked by an animal that didn't know me. That didn't, you know, like, I had a problem in that. How, how could he defend somebody like Duke? I get everybody gets a defense. But this was different to me. You know, this is like a mass sure. murder. How do people like represent mass murderers? I mean, I don't know. Right. So, um, every part of Dugo's life is a scam. The cars, the bikes, the houses, the clothes, you know, the the the, uh, the cigarette boats, you know, all the deals, so polymer, car washes, electronics. I mean, he had quite the gamut of scams. So. Yep. Um, but like I said, you have an open, you know, this is my cell phone number. You, you know, you got an open access to me. If you have questions, um, you know, if I, if I, if I had, if I had creative, um, decision-making powers with anything that may come in the future, um, I wouldn't be opposed depending on your audition. So, you know, oh, that's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, um, but I think good things are coming, David, you know, at least maybe not like, maybe, maybe not in a way that gets all, uh, all of us whole, but the messaging will be out there forever. The old yeah. school Dugo being or Ricky Schulte being an internet ghost that can't happen. Right. It's not going to happen. He'll be everywhere. He's going to have to change his name. He's going to have to move, but he can't change his fucking face. You know, I mean, he could, right. but, um, I, I, I just believe, believe in yourself, believe in this, believe in, you know, the therapy that this, I think that all of this helps. And if like, a, if you want to talk to anybody else and share your story or you want to hear other people's stories, I'll put you in touch. So, um, definitely appreciate your time. Um, I'll let you get back to your life. Yeah. Um, good luck in a couple weeks. You said October 1st, huh? No, no. October 13th. October 13th. Is it a, is it a Saturday? It's a Friday, my friend. Okay, a Friday. Friday the 13th. Aha. Yes, sir. Awesome. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. All right. Well, I definitely appreciate the time, David. I'm going to let you get back to life. Um, thank you so much. All right, buddy. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That was the David Andrew interview. David Andrew's in Florida. The interview was conducted on September 17th at about 7.05 Central Time.
thank you for continuing to listen in to In the Victim's Voices. David's two-part story concluded, but the aftermath and Ricky Dugo hangover still reverberates as the divide inside of David's family is still felt today. On the next episode of To Catch a Con Man, we will talk with one of the investigators from Lake County, whom dedicated over two years hunting down Ricky Dugo and trying to build this case. <laughs>